Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The post-Civil War landscape of the American West offers escape and opportunities to many new immigrants who come to the country's shore. A few of them brave the journey to the camp town of Missouri Crossing, each looking for a new lease on life in the Dakota Territories. Join the settlers of Missouri Crossing, including Gregory Smith, played by Joaquin, Sister Margaret Miller, played by Monica, Bjorn Hagman, played by Chris, and Craig as the keeper of arcane lore, as we explore the horrors that await us on Down Darker Trails. Okay, picking back up again with uh, Bjorn. So what does your character value emotionally? His son and a temporary sense of peace. You know, that being in the outdoors brings him. He values, like, not thinking about what he's, I don't want to say running from, but where he came from, you know? Where did he come from? I mean, obviously Norway, but... I mean, he came from where basically he had this horrific case that happened to him. And in the like, outskirts of Oslo, in a smaller town, he ended up spending two, three years investigating this child murder and found out it was this man that was in this, you know, outskirts of that town. And all his energy was consumed to that. He wasn't spending time with his wife or his child. And then the moment that he solved it and he thought, okay, you know, like, I can put myself at rest, I can heal, his wife comes down with tuberculosis and dies rather quickly, you know, it, it her, she didn't have a long life expectancy after that. So, you know, he went from like thinking, okay, everything's going to be fine. I now have time to focus on my wife and son. But then all of a sudden he gets hit with this. So that's where like on a whim now he took his son. He's like, we're going, we're just going, you know, he sold everything. And he's like, we're just going to get out of here. We're going to start fresh and start new. And he almost looks at like, I don't want to use the cliche, like, oh, he promised his wife he'd spend time with his son. Because he didn't really have like a super, you know, he, he married her when he was 16, but there wasn't like a really emotional, strong bond between his wife and him. So like, but he's mm-hmm. figuring it's the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. Not that he's a callous person or anything like that. And he misses his wife. You know, obviously he's hurt by her death and pain and everything like that. So he's just driven now. Is like any of his values like a uh, key into why he became like a lawman? Um, lawman. Like, yeah, like uh, I, I, I saw earlier that they had like a constant, Stabulatory force. Yeah, it's because he believes in you know right and wrong. You know, one okay. thing about him, he likes to look at. He liked to look at even before he became a lawman. That even for, he was probably from some small town in in Norway outside of uh, Oslo. But he believes in right and wrong. He doesn't believe in like judging a book by its cover. You know, him spending the the, the couple years as a kid, you know, recovering from smallpox and reading about other cultures and reading about the world and reading about all that stuff. That was like his escape, you know, like he does his, his escape then. And then the moment where like his wife died after that major case, it's his, his escape now, like that sense of wonder, you know, that sense of wanting to go out and see it. So he's not going to be the type who's going to be, I mean, of course he's scared and nervous of indigenous, you know, people, if they attack him or whatever, you know what I mean? But he's not like closed minded thinking he, he has his wonder. He has his wonder again of the world. What does Gregory value? He definitely values like being needed in his area. Like part of the reason why he wanted to move out to the West is just, you know, so that he could give more to the community and for his family. So he, he likes that he is sort of like, you know, 
the bread earner for his family and stuff. So he he like really you know, wants to make sure that yeah they he likes to have people depend on him for stuff. He likes to be dependable. Mm. So like you mentioned, he's traveling with family. Who is his family? All right. So yeah, he has his wife. I'd say yeah, he definitely has. He has like two daughters and a son. Like his daughters came first, and his son was the youngest. And he's he's hoping that his son, you know, keeps keep, you know keeps takes up the family business, like you know he did he he did for his father. But he, his son, I'd say, like now he's about ten ish, maybe a little bit older. So he's definitely like gotten some training, but he, he doesn't like quite know for sure that he's going to take over fully yet. So like, is the son like apprenticing to you? I'd say yeah, mostly. That's something that's like important to Gregory that. Uh... He keeps this this like family tradition. Yeah, going. basically, he you know, like he likes the idea that you know that he is helping make a tradition, like making help him make a legacy. Like I said, he, you know, he he knows his father. He has no idea like who his grandparents are. Who like you know, beyond that, he basically knows like you know I'm helping make something for to leave for my family and stuff. Those of you with families, your family has have names, correct? Yes, they do. Yeah, I just yes. have to. <laughs> I know the son is named Mark. He, he got that from the Bible. He knows that much about the Bible. Um, the daughters are. I'm horrible with names. Um, you can come back to it. Um, yeah. All right. What sort of values does Margaret have, like emotional or otherwise? She places a lot of value in truth. Honesty, very important to her. Trust, even more so. And in being a transparent person, she doesn't believe in, you know, lies of omission. She doesn't believe in, you know, keeping secrets. She's a very transparent person and she tries to inspire that in others. She believes in peace, obviously, and unity. And that is what she tries to preach wherever she goes. The Civil War um, you mentioned was a big seem in this country and that she's working to try to sew back together more or less but, yeah um, how does how does she do that what does that look like her preaching well one of the big divides around this time are racial in nature and she's definitely one of those people that sees all humans you know no matter how flawed as being children of god so she can love a fellow clergyman the same way that she can love a criminal and she sees a lot of people you know having a lot of biases and prejudices against people of color against the natives that were there and she does not put up with that let's say if there's one thing that kind of gets her fuse lit is just seeing that type of prejudice man against their brother so she tries to teach and preach tolerance and she tries to get people to see and understand it and in practice that we're all just children of God, regardless of, you know, gender, age or, you know, color of our skin or where you came from. We're all part of this great nation that is too divided and we need to come together because by being together is how we succeed. Was there ever a time in Margaret's um, life where like, not that she like radically failed or, but someone like really took offense to that sort of thing? I think given the time period, a lot of people take offense to being told that a white man is equal to, you know, an Indian or a Negro, as they would call them. And 
I imagine she's probably seen her share of physical abuse over such things. Like she may be a nun, but I don't think anybody would have a problem backhanding her if she went to a man, you know, who had his own settlement. And she said, well, you're no bigger in God's eyes. You're no better in God's eyes than the person that's, you know, tilling your fields. I'm pretty sure she's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way that way. What does Margaret do to unwind? I know there's there's a lot of uh, like strict rules in being an ordained sister in the Catholic Church, but what does she do for fun? What how does she break break loose and uh, like regain some some like control of her life? For her, walking is a really big thing. Walking while praying is kind of like a, a moving meditation, I would say. She finds a lot of beauty and wonder in the natural world. So taking walks outside, you know, usually someone has to be with her, of course. But she just finds, you know, a beautiful sunrise or a sunset, just one of the most amazing kind of splendors and show-offs of God's creation. So things in nature, walking, of course, praying and reading the Bible. I could see her maybe if she had the time to do it to sit down and just kind of uh, do a little cross-stitching type thing. But for the most part, she's a more active lady. So I would see her definitely doing a lot of walking. So she's taking like a vow of poverty, but is there any secret indulgence that she has? Ooh, a secret indulgence. I would say sleeping. <laughs> Sloth would, you know, she's an right. active lady and all, but Sundays are very sacred and... If she could sleep all day Sunday, I think she would. That That's fantastic. What does uh, Gregory do to unwind? Is there stuff that he does with his family or by himself? I definitely think that... Huh, for a hobby. I definitely think that he... Before, he would actually sort of... Like, he, 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 he can read somewhat. Like, he does enjoy, like, having... Just being, like, reading, like... Being, or being read to by, like, his wife. Some, like, some... Just being stuff. Could be, like, some of those, like... Like, like you know, from the Bible. Could have been, like, from the, some of the stuff in the early newspapers. Some of those, uh... I don't know if they would have been a thing. yet. those penny... The penny dreadfuls? Yeah. And dime store... Or dime novels? Yes. Yeah, something... Yeah, so he, actually, he finds that he was just... It's nice to sort of lean back in a chair and just... You know, be, have some just have something to be told to him like that. Nice. What, what's his What's his favorite story? He might. I don't know. He, he might like occasionally. He might like have, have a bit of the uh, some of the old uh, Edgar Allan Poe story. Some of the some of the stalker stuff. Something that just like have a bit of a chill to him. Yeah, maybe something like that. I, I don't know. I'm spitballing here. I'm trying I'm trying to think of who would be writing back then. Uh, actually, yeah, like he would like some of his uh, detective stories, like the murder at the Rue Morgue. Yeah. Okay. So he's a he's like a Poe fan. Yeah. Excellent. I like that. So what does uh, Bjorn do to uh, blow off some steam? I, I liked how how you asked Monica, like, what does he do to blow off steam? And then what what was the second question you asked her about, like, what sort of indulgence does? Uh, yeah, what have? indulgence. So like, what he does to blow off steam, he likes to read nonfiction. He likes to read nonfiction a lot. So like he has a score of 50 in history and I would assume he probably has read up on a lot, you know what I mean? On world history. And so he has 50 in law, stuff like that, but that could be from his career or whatever. Go Maybe ahead. he has like a stack of history books written in 
what is it norwegian norwegian or even english since you know what mm-hmm. i mean like and he's trying to learn english that he'll trade books probably that's probably one only good thing about chicago was the fact that he had all these books he already read you know and he could just trade them with someone for other books and he doesn't hold on to them he just kind of like burns through right. them kind of thing you know so that's actually reading something that all three of our player characters have in common yeah and then my indulgence when he gets like really stressed out he'll he'll partake in horrors if he can find one but not like it's not like a regular thing though it's like something to him that like he'll he'll wait till he absolutely has to it's not like he goes and does it regularly so is it to like just purely satisfy like a physical need or is it like emotional or does like it's kind of both he has like a relationship with them like he talks to them i'm trying to think of a way to phrase this he does because he wants to know them as people because it's part of learning you know but then like when it comes to where okay he absolutely has to have sex you know it's gone a while without it he'll 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 pay them to have sex you know what i mean and then he'll move on but he spends more time with them talking to them and getting to know them it's almost like the lawman in him a little bit too you know like you're going to find out more about like what's going on in the area or what's going to go on like i don't know if there's going to be prostitutes that are going to be on this you know run that goes up to north dakota or whatever too but he's just kind of keeping your ear to the ground you know so does your son know no and he hides it from his son and it's almost like this thing that he does where his son's asleep and he'll go there and he feels guilty about it when he does it not because of any religious like whatever but because he did like i said he wasn't really emotionally connected to his wife but he loved his wife you know so to him mm-hmm. and that was his only lover for since he was 16 you know and he's what 28 right now for so the last 12 years he pretty much only had sex with one woman and now you know he finds himself having to especially like it's the stress he's anxious you know and all the the built up pent up frustration that he's felt because of everything going on but yeah so, yeah i'm jumping around a little bit um because my next uh question was virtue and vice but we already covered that but uh what sort of like vice does gregory have just so we can cover that he will like be the first like jump to a fight because he, he he definitely like he, he enjoys a good scrap and at times he like will sort of antagonize people especially like never during but like, whenever he's like off work and he's like you know going out, you know, getting, getting, like, drinking beer or whatever. He will, like, usually be the one to, like, initiate a fight. And stuff. He's an instigator? Yes. So, like, he's a big, strong guy. He just likes to push people over the edge. So they take the first swing, and he could just finish them. Yes. Excellent. I, I like that a lot. So he's sort of, like, why does he, why does he do it? Does it make him, like, feel powerful and in control, or... Or does yeah, he just like to see I think it's sort of, uh, sort of like back. Really, he, he likes to, part of him, likes to, he really likes to be at the center of attention at times. So with his family, he knows he is there. At, and at, like he was oh, out drinking and stuff. He's like, okay, yeah, well, let's, see, let's see how we can get some stuff started. Let's see how I can get to the middle, uh, middle of the mess. Does this instigating desire come up with like his family at all? I'd say sometimes, I think. Well, it doesn't come up as much because normally, like you know, he's normally he he just knows he already is like you know he's the man of the household. He's already doing all that, so mostly he's satisfied. You know, just making sure you know I, they depend on me for stuff. But I think maybe like you know, at times he would sort of like you know just always like like sometimes like if things go too, he might you know say, oh, "Hey, read to me" or something. He'll like have some way like have them attend to him at, at some point. Just okay. So like yeah, he he is the focus. This is his household. He's the man of the house. And not that he 
needs servants, but he appreciates that his family not dote on him, but he he works hard for them, so they should work hard for him. Yes. Yeah, uh, Monica, we we talked earlier that Sister Margaret has um, some sort of like lazy streak in her. Does she get caught like napping up? Does she hide it? Does she uh, like go for a walk and take a nap in the woods? She would definitely be the type to go take a walk and come back with her hair all messed up because she took a nap in the woods. Yeah, I really like that whole uh, aspect because the religious life is as much toil historically as a lot of like the typical laboring life. And like, I just like that fact of her just trying to like get around it. You know if she I mean? got caught, she wouldn't lie about it, you know, but her walks are definitely, they start out well-meaning with just getting a bit of exercise and enjoying the majesty of God's creation, but then they devolve into napping. Does she confess the sin of sloth or is it something she keeps to herself? Oh no, I think she would definitely confess it. Hmm. So do you think that maybe this assigned pilgrimage was maybe given to her to sort of like mend her ways? Yeah, it would definitely seem like a, a fit Catholic like a pen- punishment. Like a penance, for yeah. Some, yeah, like a penance for someone who definitely yeah. does lessen her share. Uh, yeah, like the, the fact that it just so happens to like line up with your desire to spread the word and heal wounds, it's like an interesting dichotomy because she could like maybe take joy in her penance. Yeah. We, we went over physical descriptions, but how does, Sister Margaret typically dress and like, will that change after being on the road and in like uh, frontier land? She is definitely very conservatively dressed regardless of the weather. Um, she's the type that she will suffer and sweat just to keep her long sleeves and her skirts down to cover her ankles type. She's extremely, extremely modest with her appearance. She doesn't even like to show her hair if she can help it. Wearing pants is an absolute no. Wearing anything above the ankle is an absolute no for her. And she keeps it kind of, I would think of like modern day Amish, just very plain clothing, nothing flashy. And if she could stick to black or white, she would. And I I think that, well, that's obviously not a a problem to get um, over there, but um I'm interested to see if like any of this might change after experiences on the trail or not. We'll see. I guess so. We we talked about uh, Gregory being a big strapping uh, man. How does he typically dress? Does this differ like from at home versus on the job? I definitely think he, for him, like he he doesn't really since like he grew up, you know, helping his father out in the forge and stuff. He definitely doesn't really see too much of a like a delineation between between home and work. So he he actually has to sort of be like reminded that yeah he can wear clothes other than like you know, his like you know, his, you know his aprons or his uh, work clothes stuff. So, so he's like he's just so used to you know, being you know, near the forge, being in the heat that he's he, he wears. And actually on the trail, he actually like oh yeah, I don't have you know, since we're traveling, I don't really have to wear you know the big you know, the leather aprons and I actually wear other clothes for once. Yeah, but like say. He finished work and went to like pick up a drink at a saloon or something. He might just still be wearing a leather apron. Just exactly, yeah, yeah. He feels comfortable in it. It's sort of like a second skin for him. Exactly, yeah. How about Bjorn? How does he typically dress? He usually 
wears like the blue jeans i'm sure that he's gonna have to wear you know heading up on the you know normal uh cattle ranch type clothing frontier clothing he doesn't have anything like high flute and dress up clothes just something you know he probably has a good set that he wears you know when he's not working or whatever but yeah nothing you know yeah he has his two um sets of dungarees for the entire two months yeah pretty and- much <laughs> Just baking on being being able to pick something um, up when he gets to. Uh, I'm not Missouri saying crossing. that Missouri Crossing is going to be civilization, but yeah. uh, <laughs> hoping that there's some kind of trader there. You know what I mean? He'll make it work. He'll figure. There's it somebody out. at least with some cloth somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, what sort of like objects or location hold meeting for Bjorn? Is, is there any like sort of special keepsakes that he has? He has a picture of his wife that he has in a locket. I would say he probably has like his favorite book, you know, that like his favorite nonfiction book. I don't know of any good nonfiction books that were written at the time, but he'll figure that out before next time we play, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a beat up copy of it, you know, that he always goes back to and he's read probably a shit, uh, a shit ton of times. And what about uh, Gregory? I definitely think that like, he, you know, he's got. A lot of the tools and stuff. It is he. He very much he values his for his forge, his workspace very much, because you know to him like pretty much that's been his whole life for you know, most of his life. So that's you know like pretty much you know, he has to make sure he takes care of that stuff. That's you know, that's his domain, and he has to make sure it's taken care of. Does he have anything like non-work related that he treasures? I think maybe he might have like. Got like a couple, maybe like got like some Confederates, like maybe got a little like a, like a old like patch of like a, some from the war, like maybe afterwards he found like an old revolver or something in like you know in the in the field somewhere. He's like picked up like I'll take this is a souvenir. That, that's a important distinction. Did he fight for the North or the South? I definitely think for the North, just because he happened to like you. Know, I would say like he definitely lived like you know in the northern part of the country. And so he like he, he might have you know he 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 didn't really have too much of a an opinion about it. He just you know we're going to war. They're trying to break up the country. Let's you know let's kick him in the teeth. He didn't really yeah, but he didn't really have too much skin in the game. I guess mm-hmm. it, I, it seems like his like his home base was Chicago before he decides yeah. to get out. So yeah, like North would probably be a default there. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Confederate um, revolver of some sort. Maybe or maybe like some yeah or, some something or, Confederate so we really found like he found like, like after patch the, or unipatch or insignia or something like that yeah okay that's that's interesting what does Margaret keep that uh, is a treasured possession of hers I would say she keeps three things number one being her family Bible that's been presumably passed down you know by her grandmother picture of course of her mother and father which I assume she would keep somewhere in the Bible, maybe as, as a bookmark. And lastly, I would say a rosary made uh, where the beads are actually made of glass encasing pressed roses. It was something that I saw once and I, I just thought it was such a cool idea where the actual rosary had the actual petals of the roses pressed and ground in such a way that they actually became beads. And I would think that it would have some monetary value, but for her, it's mostly a spiritual thing. So those three items, the rosary, the family Bible, and the picture of her parents. Does she like, this is a pretty typical thing for Catholics, um, like keep a 
family gene- genealogy inside the front cover of the Bible? Is that something she might keep up with? She probably would, especially since the Bible's been handed down. So I would imagine that given its age, it would have the names of the previous owners and, you know, you would put it in your best penmanship as it was passed down to the next person. Yeah. The rosary, is is that something she keeps hidden? Is she afraid that um, other people of her order might think of it too ostentatious because of the rose petals? Or does Both. She... She's, because she's such a humble person, she worries that people think that she has it kind of to be snooty because it definitely has its value. And also she's worried that because of its value and the company that she could be preaching to may not be the best, they could steal it. So this is definitely something that I think she would keep within her clothes and only use when she's alone. Like, I don't even think that Father Frank would know she has it. Excellent. So yeah, what's, uh, what's Margaret's favorite food? Kidney pie. Kidney pie. Excellent. And Gregory, is it something hearty or something sweet? I think it to me, maybe like he like you know he one of the things he indulged himself was like he got like in Chicago they got like some candy or something that mm. he would like sometimes snack on. So maybe like when he has a few extra things like maybe like for major holidays he goes and gets candy for his children to celebrate yes. and maybe he gets an extra for himself. Exactly. Yeah. So he just likes the sweets. What about uh, Bjorn? Is it eggs some and bacon. Crazy, eggs and bacon. Yeah. Was this a new dish that he discovered in America that he liked yeah. being prominent, or did, did it start um, back home? No, it was definitely something in America, in Chicago, that when he once he started getting his appetite and started, you know what I mean, feeling like hungry, like he could eat regularly again, like, yeah, eggs and bacon. And I would even probably say it was because, like, he would go, like, have breakfast with the whores in the morning, you know what I mean? He'd wake up before work and go have breakfast where the location was and talk to them as they're about to go to bed or whatever. And then go off to, you know, do work. Yeah, I like that. So how does Bjorn feel about, um, like, the indigenous peoples or other immigrant peoples that are in America? Does he have any opinions on that? He's generally has a curiosity about all of them. You know what I mean? Like, that, just from his always having read about different cultures and civilizations in the world and stuff like that. So having, like, a, you know lack of a better term melting pot like america is at the time is one that also one of the reasons that drove him to go there he could have gone anywhere in europe and probably resettled but he's getting to go to this like new mysterious unexplored land that taps into like i said that feeling of when he was able to go out after he recovered from smallpox and 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 explore again you know he's feeling that and he's with his son this time too to experience it yeah plus being an immigrant himself he, oh, yeah. he's probably very open to that i mean idea. he has no judgment and to him to be honest with what he saw in chicago which i i don't know too much about chicago history at this time but i would assume it being ran by people who've been embedded there for a while you know it's like he just sees like okay you, you know you may have americans who don't like immigrants or whatever but he's like you all first of all just fought a civil war where you you, you know what i mean you you killed your own brothers and everything over something as to him, as silly and barbaric as, as slavery, which I believe Europe for a long before and quite a while beforehand had made it illegal, you know what I mean? And to him, he's just thinking, like, well, I'm I, I I'm tending to like go against your opinions if you don't like you know people of color or indigenous people or immigrants. You know, he's actually feels himself more inclined to it, you know. And even in a weird way, like working with the cattle, the cattle 
people like that he's when he's working up there going up to north dakota you know he's working with people who haven't had hand any handouts in life you know what i mean so he likes yeah. enjoying being around like the salt of the earth the salt of the earth people like the whores and these other people you know right so. i I've, I've been doing like a lot of reading on like old west cowboys and like yeah. a vast majority of them were just a melting pot of like races and cultures and like people would prove uh equally um up to the task or worthless regardless of where they came from yeah and so and also i would even maybe tie to like the case that he solved beforehand it was probably some like higher upper crust person that was the the the, the murderer you know what i mean so like he probably sure. has like this weird distrust anyways of like the upper crust snobby types you know that makes sense quinn we we talked a little bit about how gregory doesn't really know who his ancestry is but he he knows his father and such but yeah so i definitely think that for gregory it's he definitely sees like you know immigrants he just says he thinks that you know a man has to be able to you know if he if he can provide for his family that's really that's all all them but all they want and you know, so he probably you know grew up no so yeah you know he has no idea who his her heritage comes from you know his mm. father has no idea so he's just like you know it doesn't really affect me that much so you know he definitely sees like immigrants and stuff so like yeah as long as you can, it's willing to work for your family and stuff you know, it's, it's all pretty much all the same to him for like with like you know like for the minorities and for like you know minorities and stuff he's like. Yeah, same thing. You know, if you're black, you, you still got family because you got to work for them. You know, put food on the table for them. And likewise with uh, Margaret, um, we we kind of talked earlier how she's like her main goal is like heal wounds, um, be the grand unifier sort of uh, persona. That that extends. I'm going to assume to indigenous and other immigrant um, cultures. Yes, especially so being. Technically, the fact that America is built upon immigration, she thinks it's very hypocritical of people to think that the immigration of whites and even then only certain whites is allowable. But then the people who are actually there to start with are the ones that need to go. So she definitely is pro unity in every sense from the people that are being used as slaves to the people that are being driven out of their lands. They're all to her the same in her eyes. But what if they're of a different religion? Aren't you going over there to basically preach the word? They're still children of God, but they're children of God who are wrong and need correcting. Uh, so you're basically trying to re uh, like give direction. So they're not misguided anymore. Yes. We don't want them going to hell. See, yeah, it's it's interesting because like that's it's a different mindset than like a lot of people might have today on a similar topic, but um, I think it's going to be an interesting one to explore. All right, so we're getting down there with the, some of these questions. What is the worst thing that Margaret has ever done, and what is the worst thing that Margaret can imagine another person doing? Jeez, um, I think. The worst thing that she would have done is probably maybe steal as a child. I can see her being the type to maybe uh, steal a sweet that she was told she couldn't have or eat more than her share just because she was hungry, which is why she works so hard now to maintain herself, you know, within godly guidelines, so to speak, about, you know, poverty and being humble. The worst thing that she could 
think of someone doing would definitely be a molestation of a child. And on that cheerful note, same question to Gregory. I think the worst thing he's ever done, at least in his eyes, was I would say like it was back during like the Civil War. And at one point after a battle, he, he recalls distinctly that he like he hurt, he, you know, he, like they, they were like dragging wounded around and everywhere. He saw like one guy, he was just, he was lying on like a leg blown out. He was like crying out for help and stuff. So Gregory clearly saw him and everyone was just too busy running around ignoring him. And, he, and Gregory, he, he saw him and he didn't help him just because he was like too freaked out by all the stuff going on. He, he just saw him, he didn't help him. And so you let him suffer. Yes. And so Gregory definitely sees that as like the worst thing he's ever done. That's and, yeah, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> he was probably lying there for quite some time and I'm not sure if Gregory even had the means or didn't have the courage to put him out of his misery, but he yeah, he's probably got like a gut shot or something or oh, Yes. So yeah, he that's that's definitely just that stuck with him a lot. And so the worst thing he thinks someone can do to another is I I'm I'm not too sure cuz he he like he grew up in Chicago. So he definitely saw you know, crime and stuff going on. And he saw the civil war. So he saw a lot of st- stuff going on. So I definitely, I think maybe for him, like the worst thing to like for him would be like, if someone was like, just totally like crippled. And so they had, they had to rely on others to survive. Like say, you know, like, like, like so, someone like lost both their hands or like, and or they were blinded or something. It's like to be so vulnerable that you have to depend on others to him. So I mean, him, that's, that's like, the worst thing you could do to another person is to, Render them permanently helpless. cripple them. Yeah, yes. render them helpless and permanently cripple. So um, your experience with that wounded soldier is that maybe what caused your character's uh, phobia or mania? Yeah, I would definitely think that. Yeah. Well, we'll have to develop that some more because I like where that's going. And finally, Bjorn. The worst thing that he did was shooting that man who killed those kids and killing him, but making it look like the scene looked like that he was defending himself oh so he sort of like solved the crime did he go to confront him and then he went to confront him and i think the guy probably said something to him that just like set him off and before he knew it he pulled his gun out and just fucking shot him between the eyes kind of thing and just was like oh shit (laughs) you know it was kind of like clamoring and i think that like part of him wonders if him doing that like is the reason why his wife got tuberculosis kind of thing because like he did a really bad job setting it up to make it look like that he had to defend himself and he maybe some of the other constables were like oh yeah he uh you know what i mean you had to defend yeah, yourself or it, whatever. It's, it's your word versus others yeah so, yeah yeah and you're a lawman so yeah and they kind of maybe some knew but they didn't give a shit because they knew the guy was a piece of shit you know who what happened to but he like was like fuck because his in his mind well not that this guy was innocent but in his mind taking an innocent life unjustly is the worst thing you can do you know he doesn't believe mm. in like massacring during war he doesn't believe in like he believes that you got to kill someone sometimes you know what i mean and that has to happen but like he doesn't believe in just you know unjust murder at all so the worst thing that uh you can imagine like did that man that uh that you killed did he do one of those worst things oh yeah he told you he did it over and over again i mean like this guy was just a monster you know and i think the guy got away with it for so long because he was kind of wealthy and had you know had political pull or whatever and he just said one little thing to like kind of confirm he did it but kind of like rub it in that like nothing was probably going to happen to him and just shot the motherfucker you know there's like oh crap you know and was in panic mode so all right yeah. 
So where, where does uh, Bjorn see himself in five years? So like, what are his motiva- <clears throat> motivations for getting there? Being at peace. He sees himself five years, like just being at peace. If it's having a small farm, you know, if it's having like a small business where he can get, get out and like sit on a porch and drink a coffee and look out at the prairie and not have anything, you know, any enclosure, you know what I mean? Not anything pressing upon him and feeling like truly at peace with his son, you know, entering manhood or probably doing his own thing at this time. That's what he would like. You know, he doesn't foresee himself ever getting married again or ever, you know, like that. He just wants to spend the rest of his life on personal growth and the growth of his son. Um, so Joaquin, where does Gregory see himself in five years? How is he going to get there? I definitely think that he sees himself in five years, like, you know, being like the, the pre the eminent, uh, you know, craftsman of the uh, little camp place with his, with his son, you know, being right there to take his place when he gets too old, when he starts getting too old to do the work. Yeah. Just like a well-deserved retirement, um, having set his family up for success. Yeah. yeah there's like, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor. Exactly. Yeah. And Margaret, sister Margaret, where, where would she like to be in five years and how, how is she going to work at it? I think in five years, she would ideally like to be back home at the church that she knows and loves. So she's close to family. In five years, she would be at the end of her 20s. So her parents would be kind of on their way out. So she would be looking at essentially either going back home to assist her family with their state of affairs, or if they're well off, you know, still with their health, then she would just remain with her church and hopefully continue to travel. So for her, Missouri Crossing isn't um, necessarily a terminus. Correct. It's just a place she's passing through. Just like every other place in her life. Yep. One last thing we're going to do before we wrap this up is I would like everyone to basically take a look at their character sheets and let me know, like, how did you um, end up spending your skill points and how does this reflect on the character you developed? And maybe we can, like, hash out some sort of justification for any of these more esoteric skills that uh, you might have picked. I'll go ahead and go first then. All right. Uh, so he has 20% credit rating. It's just the money that he has from when he sold everything and ran. He has 50% and drive wagon or coach. I would think he probably learned that through, you know, helping with the cattle thing. I'm sure sometimes he has to get on there. You know what I mean? Drive it around, do things like that. 50% fighting and brawling just from being a rambunctious kid, being a law man, you know, a lot of stuff like that. He doesn't want to shoot people unless he absolutely has to. So uh, 55% in firearms, handguns, 55, 50% in firearms, rifle, shotgun, obvious reasons for that. 50% history. He loves to read, you know, and all this is just one big journey to him. So he's, he loves to read. I would say he's even, I mean, the civil war just happened, but like even the revolutionary war, he's real educated on that, uh, you know, on American history too. Uh, 60% on intimidate, I would say because of his poxmark look and the fact that he's a lawman and he knows how to intimidate people. 50% on law. I would say like American law. He's probably read up a lot on that. Just, you know what I mean? He has his natural curiosity. He just has his thirst, you know, 50% listen. He's just active. You know what I mean? Learning how to be uh, aware of your surroundings. 60% on persuade. He's a, he's a, 
he's not like a Clint Eastwood walk around looking silent. He he can be a personable person. He likes to talk to people, you know, and get to know them. That's a the distinction in the system is like persuade actually involves making an argument that's going to have long term effects, whereas like fast talk is making up some BS that's going to work up and out, but not hold up too long as scrutiny or like yeah. a charm, which is relying on your. Well, maybe he likes the debate, thus he likes history. You know what I mean? And that, that he likes to be able to like, well, technically, you know, blah, 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 kind of thing. 50% psychology, you know, part of being a cop, part of being able to yeah. read people. Psychology is more like, uh, it's a big lie detector in this system. So Awesome. Uh, 50% of ride. He's really good at riding. Always has been growing up. 50% spot hidden. He's good at seeing things that, you know what I mean? Detective stuff. <laughs> 30% stealth. He's not the most stealthy of people, but he can move around quietly when he needs to. He's not used to this kind of environment, the American West, you know what I mean? So he probably feels a little clumsy sometimes going about there. 50% track, though. He is good at tracking, and it's a lot easier in the American West to probably track because of, like, the tall grass. You know what I mean? And a lot of it's still frontierish. Yeah, or, like, if it's, like, a rainy season, like, he might know, like, since there's not a lot of people out there, yeah. like, the tracks are probably going to be what you're looking for or buffalo. Yeah, exactly. And 30% in English. So that, that's my skills there. Um, so for own language, you have, um, so was it Norwegian? Yeah, Norwegian. Okay. Excellent. We'd like to go next. I can go. So Margaret's credit rating, as we previously mentioned, is 25%. She has got a 45 in first aid which of course came from her war experience, a 15 in history, mainly through reading the Bible and the historical accounts in the Bible, but not much else. Her other language is of course, Latin. She's got 11 there. Library, she's got 48. Uh, Listen is 50. Of course, she's a great ear, but loves to talk too. Her medicine is at 61. Again, that's through the war experience. I gave her a 40 in natural world because she does spend a lot of her time on her outside walks. She has a 45 in occult because where there is God, the devil surely is afoot. A 40 in persuade because she loves, you know, to change people's minds and bring them to the light of God. And that goes along with the 40 in psychology to be able to spot a good liar. I did give her a 55 in spot hidden simply because I figure she's around a lot of kids or at least back home she was and having to chase after kids who are sometimes a little bit slick. She's used to kind of the more visual art of investigation. (laughs) Uh, 40 in stealth because she's very small and can easily weasel her place, her way to places to eavesdrop as needed. Uh, 40 in survival is what I added to that. All right. So, yeah, you. I noticed you put quite a bit in natural history. Uh, our our prospective farmer might um, be needing to hit you up to actually figure out how crop rotation works. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think Chris put anything in there. All right. Uh, what do you have, uh, Joaquin? All right, so I have 30% in accounting. To, so he just, you know, he has to run around business, essentially 60 in uh, art and blacksmithing, art and craft, or metal, you know, something like that. He's got a 40 in credit rating. 
got a 20 in dodge just to make sure he got, you know, he has like, to fight so he makes sure, you know, doesn't get hit all the time. A 20 in drive wagon, probably because, you know, just on the trip there, he has to like, actually learn how to you know, drive, ride, drive a wagon. He's got 40% in brawl. Like, again, he likes to, uh, you know, get into, get into fights. He's got 40, partly from, uh, partly from, you know, just being trained by the army and partly because, you know, he you know, had to learn to, because he was having to go out west. He has to make sure he can defend his family. He's got 50 in first aid. You know, he, he, he knows how to, like, you know, just, he knows how to do a lot of, like, the small level stuff. But beyond that, that's when he starts to get way out of his depth. I gave him 20 in mechanical repair just so he can, you know, actually, you know, help, you know, repair stuff for a blacksmithing job. 30% in uh, spot hidden. And then finally, he has 30% in survival just because, he, like, again, he, he knows he was planning to go west and stuff. He wants to make sure that, you know, he has some knowledge of how to, you know, not die going out in the woods. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting because, like, you, you took a, what did you um, put in your crafts? 60. 60? Yeah, because, like, you have a, a very high, uh, like, blacksmithing skill but your your accounting is not um bad either because like you're your own business owner and i think it's interesting that uh you are able to like use some of those other skills to kind of like uh supplement that yep and yeah no i just i just like when it kind of like makes synergizes yeah there's like a sort of verisimilitude about um playing like some a business owner and representing it on a character sheet that i like all right. Thank you, everyone, for the character creation session. Does anyone have any closing comments or remarks or questions? One thing I want to add about my character before we end, I, I could very well see it being where he goes there with the attention of being a farmer, but he ends up finding himself pulled back into law enforcement. You know what I mean? Like, I Yeah, kinda... you get the wired thing going Yeah, on. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of playing off that, so yeah. I guess one last thing to think about is like, do any of you guys like know each other before uh, heading out there? I would say that Bjorn would know uh, Sister Margaret because he probably has his son talking to her a lot to get like proper, you know, Catholic lessons that he thinks to be a good citizen. You must know, but he also probably has opened up to her. Probably took a little bit of opening up to her, but he probably has looked at her i mean they didn't have counselors back then but you know look you know talking's good for the soul and he probably finds that he talks to her sometimes too when he feels a little bit too guilty about being around the the whores you know or stuff like that so you'll talk to her to get her a different perspective too you know so and then he i think he knows gregory because he is probably thinking that he's gonna have to uh one two things he thinks he's gonna have to employ gregory to help with things that he needs on the farm or two He's even kind of like maybe thinking about uh, talking to Gregory Gregory about making his son, uh, you know, my son, uh, apprentice to him maybe, you know, to learn some kind of job skill or maybe have work or to like kind of put him to good use, you know, once he gets there. So because, you know, doesn't want him running around, not knowing people. Maybe he'll meet other kids, his age, uh, Gregory's age or Gregory's kid's age, you know, and stuff like that. So I can see that. Yeah, I don't want to try to like force everyone together at the beginning. I mean, they're you guys are going to be sort of a, like a team because like just the, you'll spend time with each other on like for several months before we even get there. So you'll turn up at the same time. So yeah, we, you, and you could just um, develop on um, like 
friendships or rivalries like on the trail. And it's it's okay it's okay if there's no more. All right, uh, thank you everyone for uh, uh, joining us for this uh, prelude session of uh, Missouri Crossing. And just uh, remember, you know, drink Glen Levitt and listen to the National. Hunters Hunted 2 Corruption follows four hunters who have been plagued by the Supernatural Society and is a great place to start if you're looking for more games to listen to by Twin Cities by Night and you enjoyed Missouri Crossing. Mm-hmm.